Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to welcome Alex on the show. Alex is the CEO and co-founder of Weaver, a scalable platform that allows companies to add banking to their services via APIs quickly and affordably. Alex, welcome to the Legislate podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself and share a bit of background about Weaver? Thanks for having me. I am what you would call a serial entrepreneur. I started life as a computer scientist. I started building payments businesses in the early 2000s. I built what I think is the world's first virtual prepaid card business called Entropay. Then went on to build a commercial uh, payments business called Exaris, which was sold uh, last year. And now I'm building a, my third business called Weaver.io. And it's, as you said, it's about enabling any digital application to integrate financial services within that application. Congratulations on that track record. What's been your favorite moment so far? Gosh, seeing customers use what you create, I think has to be it, right? We all get excited about fundraising and all the rest of it. But what's really exciting is when you see the thing you've visualized and other people using it and coming up with ideas you never thought it would be used for. Yeah, and, and there have been plenty of those last year. Uh, we closed just over 50 deals of these digital applications that are integrating financial services. And many of them are just incredibly creative. So yes, pl plenty of good moments. And in terms of those surprising applications of your product, are you able to share any of them? Yes, absolutely. One of them is an employee benefits platform that's rewriting employee benefits for the 21st century. As part of doing that, they have decided to integrate all the financial services that go on to pay for these benefits. So collecting money from employers, using that money to pay traditional benefits providers like pension and healthcare, but then doing some more wacky things like being able to pay Spotify subscriptions for employees, if that's what employees choose to do. Being able to pay for lunch or leisure or concert tickets and actually really creating benefits that employees truly love. So that's something which we're powering. That's I think it's, you know, I found really, really exciting. Another application is around powering devices like this one here, which is a sport uh, tracker. And some of these devices now have payment chips in them and NFC chips and actually providing the payments infrastructure. So those chips can be then powered with actual real cards that can be used uh, for contactless payments, whether that's for, for you know, public transport or for buying your sandwich, but actually making that much more of a holistic solution for, for whoever is wearing the, the sports tracker and, and, and obviously helping monetize it as well. So a, a really broad range of applications. That's very exciting. And you're a, a serial entrepreneur. What do you wish you'd known before starting that first or, or second or even third company? <laughs> well, you learn all the time, right? Uh, there are some lessons that carry across and some things you have to be humble enough to start from first principles. I think you start thinking, how hard can it be? And then you fall flat on your face a couple of times and then you sort of say, well, it's, it's doable, but I've, I've probably got to, to be a little bit more patient, a little bit more thoughtful, uh, a little bit more trusting as well. I think the main thing is you, you realize how much you can do, but um, how more careful you have to do it. It's very easy to do a PowerPoint deck. It's less easy to make that PowerPoint deck into a real sort of business that's, that's doing all the right things. It's getting customers, generating revenue, getting customers, making customers happy. And, and I imagine you need to be careful, especially in uh, payments as well that's right it's a highly regulated industry it's also really sensitive to uh, security breaches to scans all sorts of dragons when that you've got to be careful with absolutely and 
Where do you see yourself and Weaver in the next three to five years? We are really building a global platform. We, we think this concept of integrating financial services into non-financial businesses. So whether, whether they are transportation like Uber or more B2B uh, SaaS, like the employee benefits platform I described, we're at the start of a trend where instead of asking customers to go to their bank, you actually bring the bank your customers through your application. And, and so we're building a global platform to enable um, really digital innovators to be able to do this anywhere in the world. We're busy getting customers on board, getting banking partners on board, raising more money so that we can do a little bit more of that and expanding into more territories. So it's an interesting and exciting ride. It, it does definitely sound very exciting. And through the, these companies and, and now Weaver, as a CEO, what are the key contracts that you interact with uh, the most we touch contracts you know in almost everything we do whether that's hiring whether that those are with, with partners and of course with our customers ultimately we're really trying to remove friction but there's the automation side of signatures but there's also the, the the aspect of standardizing contracts and really narrowing the number of parameters you would have in contracts so that you remove a, a whole bunch of friction in the whole buying process i think it's a really important element of how we accelerate take up of our business. I think parameters is one thing that we try to do with all our contracts at Legislate is to parameterize them so that there is flexibility. And we definitely try to offer as many parameters as we can. Not that we want people to negotiate, but we know that negotiation is inevitable. And instead of querying a solicitor in terms of how do I make this flexibility possible in Legislate, you change a toggle, change your answer, and then end up with I think the resulting compliant contract. So that's definitely something that we try to make possible. With those contracts that you've been creating to for all your businesses, has there been any friction or, or key objections that you've encountered, whether it's specific clauses or specific contract types? And how did you overcome them? Yes. So so first of all, you design contracts when you uh, launch your product. And uh, you do your best uh, shot, and then uh, you come into contact with reality. There's a buyer on the other side. There's a range of behaviors. Some people will trust you and will sign that contract with a cursory look. They'll look for gremlins, and they don't spot any. They'll sign it. Others will go to get legal advice. It's a sensible thing to do, of course. And, and there's not always a correlation between the maturity and size of customer. Some people are really just starting out, but are very cautious. Some have done it before and they can read contracts themselves. For us, once you really make contact with reality, that you start to see those clauses which people ponder on the most. And in some cases you say, actually, we're being unreasonable here or we're being too vague here, or we're just getting so many objections. There's something really fundamentally wrong here. Um, and then we go back and we think about what's the right thing to do, what will have the best outcome. And we kind of design options around that. There's the contract we would like, and there's the contract we would put up with. And, uh, and often there are many stages in between. Even if a contract is not that structured, our thinking has to be structured in the way we navigate uh, the asks uh, on the, in the legal uh, negotiation process. Yeah, and legislate, we definitely try to standardize wording so that at least the wording is not a point of, of negotiation. And it then just comes down to the parameters and you know, what, are, what is one side willing to accept? But I think what we do definitely try to do is make sure that our contracts are fair so that both sides are, have equal rights and obligations. I'm conscious, Alex, I've, I've already taken a lot of your time. So I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests. If you are being sent a contract to sign today, 
what would impress you? Clarity is probably the number one thing. I do read contracts. We do have a legal counsel who I ask to review contracts. But it's important that when you read a contract, you have, you have clarity in terms of what you're signing up for. I really like contracts that have a section at the beginning that summarize the contract. I think that's a real big plus to say this contract is made up of the following areas. This is what we're um, looking to achieve in each of those areas. Uh, that's really helpful. It just speeds up the reading so much. And where the use of language is as much plain English as possible. I think you can say a lot with plain English and not language that sort of obfuscates what the other party is trying to achieve. So those are the things I'd look for. Uh, a good structure, a summary, ideally, and use of plain English. It sounds like you've described legislate. I'm glad to hear that. Yes, we've had to definitely explain our contracts in plain English, but also present the contracts as a set of questions and answers because a lot of our users are unlawyered and therefore they need to understand what they're signing. But yeah, thank you very much, Alex, um, for being on the show. Best of luck bringing banking to more creative solutions and hopefully we can have you on again. Thanks for having me.